passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind Around with John Pollock and Waiting the A-Team. That makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night. Download a Tuesday morning from the Post Wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA Now on the John and Wade Take the Mic. Welcome, everybody, to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock and Waiting. And hello, way. What's going on? Um, I'm just looking at. Sorry, I'm getting a warning here, but everything's fine. Um, everything's great. I feel like you and I just uh, we talk a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, especially this weekend. This is our sixth of um, six shows in three days. Sorry, my audio recorder here is giving me this weird signal, but it's that's my backup, and the main one is fine. So by saying out loud my problem, I'm eliminating this problem. So All right. Okay. We're all good. This is this is the real life uh behind the scenes, everybody, of being concerned about something not uh not going properly. But yeah. we're fine, and you're listening to this, and it sounds crystal clear. So anyway, let us move on. Uh Way I last talked to you about five hours ago, five and a half hours ago. What what have you been up to? Um, I went out. Besides, what'd you do in the, like two at, at most two hour gap you had in between starting raw? I went out and I bought a battery um, for my watch. Uh, I learned how to fix my watch uh, with a battery swap. Oh. Uh, went to YouTube. The, yeah, yeah course yeah i used to pay somebody to do that and i mean it's actually probably cheaper for me to even pay somebody to do it because it's it's such a cheap repair but i I like learning to fix things by myself um just uh headed out to the dollar store um and then i baked some chicken i ate and then i watched raw all right all right well that sounds uh that sounds all right I what did I do? I had dinner. I went for a fifteen minute walk, which was my free time. And I came home. I did some dishes. I came downstairs and it was eight fifteen PM and it was time to start raw. Cool. So that's what I did. 
Nice. What was for dinner? Uh, it was very good. It was like this uh, this pasta with some chicken and uh, vegetables with like the sauce on it. That was it was actually very good. What kind of sauce? Um, I don't know. It was um, it was like this broth um, that had been. It was kind of like a, a thicker broth and it had like a really nice taste to it as well. And I, I used uh, some hot sauce on it. Uh, fantastic dinner. It was it was great. Well, that sounds great. And then I went and I got a, a decaf coffee way. Monday night, usually for Raw, I go decaf coffee. On a pay-per-view night, I get just the full-on coffee. That's how I work. Is it like why coffee at all? You just you like the taste? Uh, I do like the taste. Decaf coffee, I've become a much bigger fan of. It's not just like I, I have this propensity for coffee and just have to drink some form of it. Decaf coffee isn't all that bad. Put a little bit of sugar in it. It's it's really hard to you can tell the difference, but it's not a wide gap. So coffee for you is is more about taste and not not as much about the caffeine. I used to have a very low standard for coffee, but I have now. Once you have a really bad cup of coffee, I think it scars your your entire attitude towards coffee, and you're forced to become to have standards. So I, I do have I, I am a little choosy now. Right. Okay. For me, like I, I drink coffee, but I usually only drink it if I need to, you know, like a bit of a pick me up to for me to be a bit more alert. Um, I rarely actually. I mean, I do will go out and grab to grab coffee just for taste, often a latte or something like that. But um, this late, I usually not this late. I I like just going to uh, it's like something to go and get. I think I'm very much like a creature of habit in that sense. I feel if I ever had started smoking, I would have been a chain smoker like no one's business. I think I just would have done it out of habit every single day. And it's just, it's like a break. Go for a smoke break. So I'm really glad I never, I never got into smoking ever. It was just, it was always gross to me. And I'm really glad I, I never, I, I would rather coffee be my vice than, than cigarettes. Well, my dad was a smoker, so that kind of, my dad was a smoker too, and it was just it always he he smoked uh, he he would smoke cigars like pretty regularly, but not so much cigarettes. Um, but it was just I never c- cigar smoke I never really had a big issue with, but cigarette smoke is just man I really can't do that. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, but because because my dad smoked, um, I you know like in like grade five or something like that you have to like do a speech some type of public speaking speech. And I decided to do mine on the benefits uh, of smoking. No, the dangers of smoking. Okay. And, uh, that just kind of like, I didn't really have a strong opinion either way, but of course I, you know, you, you watch a lot of TV and you realize, Oh, smoking's bad. And so I guess I had always wanted my dad to quit and he eventually did quit. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, but I did, I did this presentation in grade five on the dangers of smoking. And I guess like, to make myself not be a hypocrite from my presentation in grade five, I I never even tried. So thanks to that presentation, um, I'm still, I've still yet to have my first cigarette. Did you practice your presentation in front of your dad? Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember actually. I don't remember. But the reason he quit has nothing to do with me. Um, he quit because of like the government of Ontario 
at one time they did i tell you this before no i don't know this story so the government on, of ontario or something like uh volkswagen or something they were like doing so, uh, a a a non-smoking challenge where if you stop smoking for like 30 or 60 days you could win a mini cooper and <laughs> wow my dad after like smoking for like 40 years just like really wanted to win a mini cooper and now, how did they enforce how did they enforce this over the the whatever period it was you're supposed to have some type of like you know witness or somebody like some somebody to to prove that like you didn't do it and i don't know if they, they're gonna do they would do some type of testing or something i'm not sure anyway it came down to like a random draw my dad was not even close but oh he won anyway. oh, look, it changed his life i guess so yeah he he, he won he he won the mini cooper of health he the did. Mini he Cooper did. of life. That is that is the greatest prize of all. A uh, car comes, cars come and go, but your lungs—they're with you forever. That is right. Well, this uh, this has been a very heartfelt start to the show, and I think a, a real educational one for everyone out there. So, with that said, way uh, we don't have a Mini Cooper to give away, but we have almost a next best thing, and that is a post wrestling prize pack. Oh my God! You don't even have to quit smoking to win this one. Smoke all you want, please. It's, it's, uh, it's your body. I don't judge at all. Um, but I will judge you if you're not a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe because you have to be a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe in order to be eligible. That is, of course, our Patreon. Where for the entire duration of the G1, we will be John and I are feverishly recording uh, post shows after every single G1, and uh, on top of that. There's a 20% off sale going on right now at our merchandise store, store.postwrestling.com, for all of our patrons. So uh, if you are a patron, take advantage, including our toques and our hats. Uh, they're all on sale. So, uh, But beyond that, every single week we give out one t-shirt, sleeve, sticker, postcard prize pack to a lucky member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So, John. All right. We're going to spin... That's the spinning sound. Okay. Now, everyone, if you are a cafe member, I want you to close your eyes. If you believe it, then you can achieve it. Think, put it out into the, into the, into the world. Say out loud, I am going to be the winner. I am going to be the winner. I am going to be the winner. And you know what? You are the winner. If your name is. Wow, that's quite the introduction um, and very long. And I wish it was even longer because I'm still waiting for this damn page to load. Oh, man. I I served this on a golden platter. It was so good, John. It was so good. But you know what? Didn't have to be that much longer because it is ready right now. And I'm doing the completely, completely, completely random draw. Stopping at this point. And congratulations to... <laughs> Je- Jeremy Barube. Jeremy, Jeremy Yeah. Is it Jerome or, or Jer- Jeremy? Jerome Barube. I'm sorry. Jerome Barube from Quebec. Congratulations. It's a familiar name. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, congratulations, Jerome. Uh, you will be getting the prize pack. And you know what? We heard you all the way from Quebec. You put it out there into the world and we heard it. So there you go. You know what was so funny? Um, so 
years ago, there was this press conference. This is going to be one of those podcasts where I think I'm going to have many. I'm in a rambling mood, so bear with me. Where Michael Bisping and Luke Rockhold, this was before, I think it was their second fight. No, it was probably before their first fight, to be honest, in Australia, the one where Rockhold won. It doesn't matter. And Rockhold and him are at the press conference, and someone asks Rockhold a question about, you know, uh, it's just some random question. And he says about becoming champion that, you know, if you believe it, then you can achieve it. And Michael Bisping just cuts him off. He's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And it's a Michael Bisping's accent. He's like, believe, achieve, get the fuck out of here. And it was just this great delivery. And Dana like loses it. He is laughing so hard. And then last week, uh, Barstool Sports did this, uh, this tour of Dana White's office and there on his wall is a believe it, achieve it like motivational poster. And I just found it so funny that here is uh here is Dana White laughing at this line. And then he's got the inspirational quote. Uh, if you check this out, uh, Robbie Fox at Barstool Sports did this. I will not spoil this, but within the first five minutes, Dana White shows off this gun that he has bought for his office. This is the most like Dana White purchase you can imagine. And then when he goes on to explain the significance of this, uh, of this, like this gun, this firearm that he has, that is like uh, a semi-automatic or something. It's just, it's something else. So there you go. What a character. You want to see Dana White's office. It's, it's next level. Man, fight promoters. I mean, I guess he's, he definitely lives up to that, to the stereotype. The coolest thing in the video, right at the end, they go into the room where they make all the fights. So they've got all the lists of fighters written on the walls, all the rankings. And then you go over and they've got the list of all the fighters who have either one fight or are on the last fight of their contract. So it's like you can pause it and like look at like contract statuses of them. And it's just this room. And it's like all the upcoming fights that they had to like blur out in the back. It was a. Uh, it was kind of interesting to see, like uh, this gigantic office that you can, as you can imagine, that Dana White occupies. Very cool. Anyway, that was my. I don't even know how I got there. Believe, achieve. That's where we started on that, and that's where we ended. Um, this week at postwrestling.com, we have uh, not as crazy a week as last week, but still a lot of shows coming your way. We'll be back on Tuesday night with Rewind to SmackDown, and then I don't know what I'm going to do on Wednesday. We have a rare day off way. Well, enjoy it while you can, because I feel like Wednesdays are going to be pretty busy um, come come uh, October. I was shocked today when I was putting the schedule together, and I was like, oh, there's like, there's nothing. Like, technically, Rewind to SmackDown is technically out on Wednesday. So it's like, we do have a show that day, but you know how you know what I mean. We're not recording a show on Wednesday, which is very rare for Way and Us. But then on Thursday, we make it all up. That is when the G1 resumes. So we will have G1 Climax shows coming out Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this week. All of those will be on the Post Wrestling Cafe for members to check out. Uh, right after the show's finished, we will get those up and done. Thursday, we've also got the Cafe Hangout at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. And I'm looking forward to this. Our our old friend James Lynch, now with the score, uh, running their MMA coverage, he is going to be joining us. And he is someone that... Uh, I don't know if we, we we've never had him on at least nothing uh, post wrestling related, but we'll chat with him about uh, his move to the score, uh, 
some interesting topics about MMA media at the moment and many different moves that we have been seeing. And I'm sure we'll get into some some news items as well with uh, James Lynch. You think you think he'll do his gate guard Musasi impression for us? I think for us he might. Maybe he'll he'll bust it out. I hope actually. So. Yes, actually, he gave me he gave me his uh, his Skype ID and it was just hilarious. Uh, I won't share it, but it was very funny. And then we'll also be joined by Ontario independent wrestler Buck Gunderson, who is going to be wrestling on the OWE shows here in Toronto uh, coming up SummerSlam week. Uh, Two OWE shows of the 100,000 shows that are running over SummerSlam week. And if you want to get an updated list of all the shows and matches that are happening in Toronto that week, uh, I have updated the schedule. And you can go see that on the main page at postwrestling.com. So Cafe Hangout, 3 o'clock Eastern on Thursday for our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso members. Saturday... Uh, we, In addition to our G1 show, we will have Cruel Summer out on Saturday. WH is joined by Davis Storm to chat about the final from the G1 in 2005 between Masahiro Chono and Kazuki Fujita. And then on Sunday, what what a there is no better way to end your week than with WH Park and Dan the Mouth Lebransky, as they will be chatting about the 2006 final between uh, two men who have been uh, linked to each other throughout their careers, Hiroshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima going at it in the finals of the G1 that year. Very exciting. I look forward to all of that. I think I missed up next in there, but of course that will be out Thursday with Braden and Davey. So whole schedule is up, postwrestling.com, and you can subscribe to Up Next's own individual feed. They did a great review of Evolve on Saturday night. So lots of stuff to check out if you are behind. Uh, we put out about 55 shows over the weekend. All great. We do it for the truck drivers. We do it for the people. All right. Uh, let's chat a little bit of news uh, before we get into Raw. Um, you know, let's start with this uh, because I saw you comment on this, and I, I certainly saw it as well. This clip of Bailey on FS1's Fair Game with uh, host Christine uh, Leahy, and this this clip got uh, a lot of uh, interest on Saturday, and then FS1 did something that I think extended the cycle of this news story by taking down the clip, and that became a story in and of itself. But for those that did not see it. Bailey was being interviewed, and this is very much just a typical WWE promotional spot with their broadcast partner, and it starts off about just, the clip starts about travel, and Bailey's explaining that, you know, it's really tough. We do a lot of driving, and sometimes there's a concern about running out of gas when we're in strange cities, and this is one where recapping it does not do, do justice to Leahy's, like, visible reaction in real time to like she was not digging deep here for anything scandalous she just happened to upon this subject that she's just was almost mortified by that she responds you guys drive yourselves all over the place like you don't the company doesn't provide drivers for you and bailey's just trying to explain well there's you know you can't get like 30 drivers for us and she says you guys make a lot of money for this company and bailey just is trying to steer the conversation into a positive light and says that, you know, we, we really bond on the road and uh, it, it, it eventually gets fun. And then, then she adds saying, is this in your, what's in your CBA? And Bailey has to let her down and we don't have a collective bargaining agreement. And this was just the most phenomenal clip because like, it would be one thing if this was, you know, 
a hard-hitting interview, but it was clearly not designed to be, and this is just her honest reaction. Like, Christine Leahy, who's probably around a lot of entertainers, a lot of athletes, and seeing the contrast to these professional wrestlers that it's it's like the traveling circus, and they don't even have a collective bargaining agreement. It was, I think, uh, I, thought, I think a wildly important clip that I feel might be as important as that entire John Oliver piece. And I think what's so special about this, this one is that it came from, I would say a partner, you know, at least a future partner and somebody who I don't think was looking to dig for any dirt at all. This was just a genuine reaction to a fact and to hear it from, you know, what seems to be a pretty prominent figure, I guess uh, in, in a, in a sports reporting setting, react to something that I think we've all normalized for such a long time um, with that type of like disgust. Um, I think it was really eye opening to tell the whole world that, hey, like this is going on in the WWE and it's really archaic. And I think incredibly like more ironic that in the same breath that they're talking about how, you know, um, your superstars, they have to continue to do things like this. What does it, it does? Was there any surprise on your part? The fact that the clip was taken down, that you can clearly see what the what the ground rules are going to be in this relationship, that FS1 is not going to do anything that's going to make the WWE look bad and vice versa. I mean, this is going to like you are not going to see kind of a, a journalistic approach to how uh, Fox is going to be covering WWE. Well, if anything, I think I was surprised that the clip was there in the first place. And not only that, but the fact that Christine Leahy continued to like, you know, retweet it, quote tweet it, uh, saying shocked to hear this. Happy to help with the CBA negotiation anytime. Like th this tweet is still up on her Twitter. So um, I, if anything, I think I was shocked that it even took place in the first place and that it made air. Uh, not so shocked that they took it down. Christine Leahy is now on my uh, request list to get on our show. I'd like to interview her now. <laughs> I'd love to know. And I promise we'll keep our clip up. Yeah, I'd love to know what she thinks of all this. I, mean, I, I would I'll, be fast. I, I don't think there's a there's a hope that she would uh, be doing any kind of, uh, uh, you know, that Fox no. would sign off on her doing uh, well. any press regarding this this interview. But it to me, uh, they just kind of extended the the legs of this story because all believe me the the rights of professional wrestlers are something that I, I hold very high. I think it's a very important subject matter. Unfortunately, it's not one that has proven to have much staying power. And we saw the ultimate example of that after the John Oliver piece where, you know, a week or two later, it's it was the talk of the industry for a week. But everything moved on. Nothing changed. And it's right back to where we are. And that's th this was nowhere near that. But once you took it down, uh, I think it's it's not even so much it gave a lot of fuel to the, the talk about a collective bargaining agreement, I think it more so just shines a light on this is the relationship that is going to exist between Fox and FS1 with the WWE. Yeah, but I, I actually feel like it was like it said probably I, I feel like it was as impactful as something like the John Oliver piece, not because not in depth, not in scope, of course, but I think because it 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 came from, I would say, what felt like uh, a pretty neutral source. When I say neutral, I mean somebody who didn't really have an agenda in in the oh, context. Oh, Christine Leahy, I, I don't think at all went into this. Like, it, like she went into this clearly just to do a regular interview, and you got her honest reaction to this 
on camera. That's what I, I find really fascinating about this. And I'm curious to know, like, how she feels about the clip being taken down. You know, like, the tweet, her tweet on her personal Twitter account is still up. You figured, like, maybe she would delete that one, too. But I don't know. Maybe she... Maybe she continues to feel this way and is not afraid to admit it. But I, I, I find the situation really interesting. The fact that she uh, – listen, I, I'm not really familiar with Christine Leahy. I know she was you know, on Colin Coward's show for a long time, but I, I never watched that show. So I really don't know much about her. But just the fact that she got onto this subject matter and it's not like a bell went off in her head of, oh, boy, I better steer away from this. She prodded her and, and continued with it. And that tells me someone that uh, wanted to explore this subject further. And, and, and that's that's the mindset I would ex- I would I would hope that she was pretty disappointed that her employer took this down. And in her tweet specifically mentioning wanting to help with the CBA negotiation. And I don't obviously there may be a, a tinge of comedy attached to it, but I, I don't think her disgust and outrage was was really that that exaggerated or, or done for jokes at all. Anyway, uh, the clip, you can you can definitely find it. uh David Bixenspan was right on top of this, preserving this clip for for the world to see. And a few outlets have have covered this. I saw Awful Announcing put up a story on this today, and, you know, it did get some traction. Uh, Ring of Honor has announced that they're going to start streaming uh, matches from their television tapings, beginning with this Saturday's uh, show at the Hammerstein Ballroom. It's not going to be the complete tapings, but it's going to be... They're they're going to stream six of the matches, including the the top matches with... uh, Matt Taven versus Jay Lethal and Dylan Enterprises versus Lifeblood. Uh, but they are going to keep four matches that will have to air on television. But obviously, this is a further push to Honor Club, which has been something that I, I feel like the draw is if you buy the pay-per-views, then it's certainly worth getting Honor Club because you will save on it. That seems to be the biggest enticement for an ROH viewer. And this just seems like something to to test out. Um at the sacrifice of their television that they can put out there with the exception of a few matches. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, to run any type of streaming service, I think you need incentive. And I don't know if ring of honor since the inception of honor club has really added too much value to the package to, to increase incentive. Um, I think there's still a lot of demand probably for that archive for whatever reason. I, I haven't heard any updates. It does not even seem to be a priority for them to upload. Um, to me, that's the gold. But even then, you know, let's say you you put all the, the Daniel uh, Brian Danielson uh, Samoa Joe uh, era matches up there. I guess that could only last for so long. And I think it's new content that you know these streaming services have to rely on in order to maintain um, um, uh, membership. So they're doing these TV tapings anyway. Why not uh, sacrifice some of them to add some value to your content uh, online, and at the same time, hopefully get some more eyeballs on that TV. Uh, from from different viewers, it's Saint yeah. Clair who owns it all anyway, and they're the ones who who benefit in the end. Yeah, and this is this is one of those unique cases where I mean, if um you know if WWE was going to try something like this for and I'm just throwing this out there, it's ludicrous. But if they were to um put put up like the live tapings of, you no, know, it's not even a good example because with Raw NXT? and SmackDown. Um, NXT is kind of an in-house thing, but let, let's say if NXT had a television deal, let's say NXT was airing on a regular station and they were offering the live tapings, the feed on the network, your television partner would be pretty upset with that. And I don't think they would be allowed to contractually to do that with Ring of Honor. It's it's Sinclair. So it's essentially they're able to do something like this with probably without any resistance from their parent company because it's all one and the same, their outlet and their owners. Mm hmm. 
it'll be interesting for me to see if there's um, any renewed interest in Honor Club as a result of this. My estimation is that if if you're already an ROH fan, this uh, this might add a little bit of of interest to you. But I would say for the general populace, I don't know how much Ring of Honor uh, buzz there is or interest right now anyway. And I'm not sure if more Ring of Honor content in the form of its TV shows that people probably have access to but don't watch anyway, how much that will incentivize them. Yeah, they're 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 in a tough spot at the moment in their history I, I find at the moment and this i think you're right i think that this is something that it's a nice bonus for those that have already subscribed and now you're going to get more but is this going to change someone to sign up i i think it's going to be pretty small and i'd be curious to hear from people that still have honor club and what are the main incentives uh beyond the pay-per-views because that to me is the big steal is that you are able to get the the pay-per-views discounted if you get the the yearly membership so that's what's going on in Honor Club. And the final thing here, uh, PWG has been rolling out their names for Bola in September. And their latest name that they've added is Ray Phoenix. And he joins. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on what the lineup sounds like so far away. Uh, because this is a year where they don't have access to as many performers as in years past because of contracts. Uh, A-Kid, Jonathan Gresham, Artemis Spencer, Darby Allen, uh, Mick Moretti, Orange Cassidy, Bandito, Caveman Ugg, Jake Atlas and Tony Deppin from GCW. So like they're, they have a few standout names. They also have some unknowns in there. And then you kind of have some novelty guys in there as well, like an orange Cassidy, for instance. Um, yeah. So what, what do you think of the lineup so far in total? They'll have 24, but they've got, I think nine or 10 so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 11. You know, we, we kind of like, we did a review of Bola earlier this year for a rewind away. And, uh, I think it brought a lot of like you know um, a, a conversation from the both of us about talking about how relevant Ebola is in 2019 and 2018, even uh, when you know the, the all these super indies are basically gobbling all of the all this talent up that's available. So what is the role of Ebola when you really well, the average wrestling fan has more than enough wrestling to watch, and a lot of the stars that previously might have been featured on. A tournament like Bola are now seen in in uh, many other promotions. The roster that they have, I feel like, it, no matter what happens, they are they should still be able to find like what is it like uh, thirty people? How how many people are in the tournament? Twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah, I feel like you could find a good deal of tw- of, of names uh, in that range to to fill a tournament with to to elicit enough interest. I think PWG, the Bola brand itself, I think is, is, you know, very strong, strong enough to like, you know, I'm sure they'll sell out. I'm sure they'll do really well. Um, of the names that are featured, uh, Ray Phoenix, certainly I'm very interested in, uh, I'm very interested in a kid seeing what, uh, what more he'd be able to do. Um, Orange Cassie, I think, you know, he's a great novelty that I think, uh, the internet ever since, um, Double or Nothing has really kind of taken to, and I'm sure, um, you know, uh, maybe, maybe adding even a bit more interest to Bola as a result. I I wonder how far the act will go in the tournament. Um, it's, you know... I, I like him in for one round, he's out, and then he does the crazy 10-man tag on the last night. I think that that's the best use of Cassidy. I, I don't know if you go deep in the tournament with an Orange Cassidy, like maybe second round, I, I would see that kind of being my ceiling for him in the tournament. Perhaps. Yeah. Um, but no, I have to say like, it's, it's a roster where I'm not as interested in perhaps as previous years. That said, like Bola is also a place for people to make their names. So some of the, the names that aren't, aren't as popular 
Um, if they have some hot matches, people will find out about it, and it could be a springboard for that person, and as well ma- ma- maintain that Bola, you know, uh, legacy. My curiosity this year was if they didn't have access to certain names, if they'd be able to get a lot of unsigned talent that come with the bene- the benefit of not being contracted to any companies that this could be the year that they try and stream this uh, live, where Hmm. I think there would be a lot of demand for the first Bola to be streamed live. But when you see names like Bandito with Ring of Honor, uh, Darby Allin with AEW, Jonathan Gresham with ROH, uh, that doesn't seem like that's going to be a possibility this year where um, I think AEW would be willing to lend their talent, but to have it streamed live, I see unlikely. And same with Ring of Honor. But you look at like all these shows that take place during WrestleMania weekend on uh, on Fight TV uh, as part of that GCW crew or otherwise. I mean, there are plenty of names that are out there that aren't tied to any organization that you know where where you're free to stream their matches and like look at how well some of these shows do during weekends like that. It's uh, it, it all comes down to contractually. Like some are able to do other streaming shows, others aren't, and that's kind of what that that has been a factor in in Bola in the past where it's just whether they want to or not. And they seem pretty philosophically against that idea. Um, it's just also contractually, it's not, they, they want to have access to all the greatest talent out there. And that was a trade-off that they had um, at the time. And we'll probably be, and we'll see when they add the rest here, that there's probably going to be a bunch of those names that wouldn't make that possible. But I think it, I always find it's been like, I think Bola would do very, very well, like on a fight or if they had some other kind of platform to, to stream live for. Yeah. So the rest of your news, you can go find at uh, postwrestling.com. Uh, also want to send our well wishes to Harley race, who is apparently uh, hospitalized. He had to miss a comic convention over the weekend, but uh, no further details are out uh, regarding his health. Raw on Monday night took place on long Island, New York at, uh, Whatever is the Nassau Coliseum, it's like a mouthful now what it's called. But this is where the Evolution pay-per-view took place way last uh, October. And what what a different reaction to a women's match on tonight's show. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we will get there. Hey, so so it's on Long Island rather than in Long Island? The, yes. Dave, you're... I've had this corrected in the past. And Michael Cole, even, he he's an on Long Island guy, too. Because you have to technically be on an island, not right. in the island. Okay. Sure. Even though the Long Island is the name of the place. Yes. Okay. I guess technically you're, you're on, like, we're not in anything. We're, we're on everything. So maybe it should be universal. We should just start saying live uh, with, from on t- Toronto? Uh, uh, no. All right, we'll figure it out. Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman started the show. They came out. Lesnar had the universal title, which he held up like the boombox, bringing that back. And Heyman got into the ring and introduced Brock as, or himself rather, as the advocate for the beast who slammed the summer and ruled extreme and is the new reigning, defending, undisputed universal champion. And Brock Lesnar... Wait, he was giddy with this introduction. He was so excited that he was the he was the recipient of these accolades. Oh yeah. He's like he's 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 great at like playing like the little kid who's like the big bully in the schoolyard. That's really how he comes across. He's great at it. Uh Corey Graves called him the most decorated combat athlete of all time. And Heyman 
in a uh, in a bit of a nod to the uh, Ric Flair, Mr. Perfect, Bobby Heenan promo, said, we aren't the kind of guys to tell you we told you so, but we told you so. And Heyman mentions all the stroke that he has around this place now. He is able to decide how they will determine the challenger at SummerSlam. And Brock is not the easiest to negotiate with. Ask the UFC or Vince McMahon, and he will fight whoever he wants to fight. And so Paul Heyman's idea is, let me take a deep breath, a cross-branded, all-star, top 10 battle royal. Cross-branded, all-star, top 10 battle royal. Yeah, they all, like a number of people had to say that exact verbiage on this show. My biggest gripe with this, top 10. This top 10 is more screwed up than the UFC's rankings. I think... I think just saying All-Star would have been totally fine, but top 10, I mean, you're they tried that on SmackDown, and it was a miserable failure. So we have our top 10, and I, I think you're only inviting people to point out some of the omissions and some of the entrants that maybe... You well, have some of the ridiculous ones, like Cesaro losing to Aleister Black last night, uh, Rey Mysterio getting destroyed last week, but qualifies for this. Uh, and other people like a Kevin Owens, for instance, uh, winning in 17 seconds last night. Now, the reason for this, they had a SmackDown house show. So that's where all those other performers were. But what about AJ? What about Ricochet? What about Finn Balor? All, the, all these names. Yeah. Ricochet, you know, Ricochet's coming off a loss. But AJ, Nakamura, like all these people that had these big wins the night before, you just you're shining attention to it by doing something like this. And. I don't care if there's a SmackDown house show. That's going to be a criticism when you're doing this of the perceived 10 most valid contenders to get a title match against the top champion. Anytime there's a top 10 anything out there, whether on the internet, on Twitter, or whatever, the whole point is to invite debate and invite conversation. And I don't know if that was necessarily the intended effect of doing something like this, but look, they're they're creating a bunch of debate and a bunch of conversation. And there's certainly plenty to be had with the list like this. So the names for the battle Royal were Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Big E, Cesaro, Braun Strowman, Rey Mysterio, Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, who replaced Daniel Bryan, who had been announced earlier in the day, Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns. What happened to Daniel Bryan? I don't know what the story was. They just subbed out Bryan. I guess they have, uh, other plans for him, and this was a way to put Zayn in, I guess. Uh, it ultimately didn't matter because Zayn wasn't winning this, so yeah, it was I'm, just uh, I'm, save Brian for something else. Well, yeah, if I'm Brian or if I'm AJ or if I'm Finn, I'm, I'd probably be happy I wasn't in this by the end. Brian would be another one, like, coming off that loss. Like, how do you qualify for this? But well, anyway. we don't know what the, what, the, what the criteria is. Maybe it's, like, uh, based on miles traveled on the road. Maybe it's like a air miles. Well, in theory, Heyman handpicked these, so he picked some very tough competition for his client. I guess, and then others ones that made less sense. So well, he's they put a, it all. He's a fair all of it's man. on Heyman. I guess he's so. a fair man. Um, there were lots of cheers for Roman Reigns when he was showing. Um, I thought the biggest reactions were Reigns followed by Big E and Braun, and then Baron just got a ton of booze. Yeah. Anyone else stand out? Not really. Heyman went on to call Rollins a gelding, which he said, Google it. And it means an emasculated horse. A gelding? A gelding? A gelding, yes. What's an emasculated horse? Like a horse, like a castrated horse? Yes. Oh, 
I didn't Rollins know that. This is a castrated horse. There's a lot of talk of castration and dismemberment on this show. I didn't know they had a term specifically for a castrated horse. Yeah, I guess. I guess yeah. you, you castrate anything and become something else? Uh, in this case, horses, I, I guess. Okay. Yeah. He gives a spoiler warning that anyone stepping into the ring with Lesnar would risk their health and manhood. And in this universe, you are all Brock's bitches. And it seems... Um, bitch is allowed now. Bitch and references to male genitalia. That's what's going to get us to the next peak period. Yeah, that's... Yes. Up first was a six-man tag with the Revival and the returning Bobby Roode against Ricochet and the Usos. It's it's really good that they broke up Roode and Gable. Now they're they're both, you know, just surging on their own. They were really oh, held man. back in this I, tag team. I don't really understand that at all. I mean, they did try with Bobby Roode for, what, one week? Um, they had him... Did he shave his beard? Is that what he did? He shaved his beard, yeah. And, um... And Chad Gable had one of the best television matches on a WWE show all year, and that was a one and done. Yeah, he's not even backstage taking notes anymore. So no, he gave up. He's like, you know what? I I can PVR the show. Yeah, I don't know. They immediately hit a super kick to Dawson, and Ricochet hit the code break. Uh, I'm sorry, he hit the recoil. Well, yeah, of course. the recoil. Well, I mean, code breaker is a dude's. Move like like it's you would expect him to. Well, listen, ricochet recoil. Come on, okay. And then a standing shooting star press, and he pinned one of the tag champions in 26 seconds. And then I realized, oh, it's two out of three falls, of course. Yeah, not much to this at all. It was just a quick pin and to a commercial break. Uh, no, we kept going. It was only a commercial after the second fall away, uh, because. Jimmy got pinned after a flapjack. Uh, this one went really long. It was two and a half minutes this fall. And then we come back for the third fall, and it built to Rude and Ricochet coming in. There was a springboard drop kick, and Ricochet sent Dawson off. Jay dove onto Wilder on the floor. Ricochet countered the glorious DDT and hit the recoil and goes off the top with a 630 splash, pinning Bobby Rude. Two minutes and 46 seconds, the third fall went. And the baby faces win, and... Then it was uh, just a backdrop for Styles, Anderson, and Gallows to come down ringside. Ricochet and Styles started brawling. Everyone got involved, including the Revival. Then Anderson and Gallows. Uh, Rude pulled Jimmy down, then snapped Jay's neck, and he went into a shatter machine. Ricochet hit a high cross onto all three, and it ended with Styles hitting the phenomenal forearm onto Ricochet, and Anderson and Gallows laid out Ricochet with the magic killer. So clearly on this show, uh, building up towards AJ and Ricochet in a rematch. Hopefully at SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah, in the or through the like a, a number of three ways involving the other factions in there. Um, yeah, it was just a way to to rehab Ricochet coming off of last night. The match was really whatever, you know. After seeing all the great wrestling I've seen seen this weekend, I can't classify these like weird two minute commercial break filled things as matches anymore. They're really more like demos or just like exhibitions of like wrestling moves. So if you if you enjoy it, then great. You might have enjoyed this. I do like the team of uh, Ricochet with the Usos a lot. Um, they have similar styles. I think it's a team, if you keep the three of them together, that might actually grab some of those coveted teenagers the same way, you know, high flyers uh, such as the Hardy Boys 
uh, maybe uh, other teams like that in the past might have. So I think they're probably working towards obviously a uh, three-way between both teams, uh, but maybe AJ Ricochet for SummerSlam. That seems where, where they're going. And maybe getting Anderson and Gallows. Uh, the Usos. With the Usos, maybe the Revival, some several-team matchup for the Raw Tag Titles. Maybe they go that direction. Because I can't see them doing the Revival and Usos yet again without something added to it. And maybe Anderson and Gallows are that. Um, then we came back, and we've got the official theme song for SummerSlam. It is Go by the Black Keys, which Renee remarks is a hell of an album. Cool. Take a I like the it. Black Keys. Are you a Black Key? You don't seem like a Black Keys fan. Not so much. All right. The Viking Raiders. First of all, if Alistair Black is moving out of the room, we might have two new occupants, everyone. <clears throat> Let me consult my notes. The Viking Raiders are not just a name. It's a way of life. We claim the brutality of our forefathers as our birthright. And we will rain down the savagery of the Norsemen on any fool who dares stand in the way of our raid. I don't know what they said here. Oh, so they're, they're crazy. I, I tried to put this through Google Translate. They're crazy. It's two, it's two guys who think that they're Vikings, which I think in real life that's that's what they are. So I guess this is not too far off. But the way the promo came across, I, I found it really cheesy. Like it was something from the 80s that didn't really make these two look all that cool. Their opponents tonight were two gentlemen by the name of Jackson James and Vinnie Bruner. And this featured the Viking the Viking Raiders uh, murdering these guys. There was a shotgun dropkick into the corner. Seated splash by Ivar. Bruner got scoop slammed onto Eric's knee. And then the Viking experience was hit onto both in a minute 20, the Viking experience, the Viking Raiders win with the Viking experience. I cannot get those two terms straight. The Vikings, they won. Yeah, it was fine. It was a squash match. It, it feels like we're being tra like we're traveling back to maybe like two months ago when they initially tried to do this, but never really followed up on it. So we're kind of redoing it. Um, it, it it's fine, you know, but I think they are misreading them by pushing them as heels. I find this to be very similar to what the Dark Order seems to be going through in AEW. Great in-ring, but I think these gimmicks, by pushing them as heels, they just kind of come across as these like very dated, uh, over-the-top, gimmicky heels from the 80s. I feel like if you push these guys as faces who just kick ass and you know maybe they just dress like this because it looks cool, like they were in NXT, I feel like that would have worked way better. They're certainly colder now than they were when they debuted. What if they had masked Norsemen accompany them Ooh. to the ring in the role of the Creepers? Um, don't know if that would help, but yeah, maybe. Drew McIntyre was backstage earlier in the day, and he walked into the locker room featuring Cedric Alexander, Finn Balor, No Way Jose, and the Street Profits. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for this chat. And Drew confronted Cedric about last week. And he says the time has come to not just hurt Cedric, but disembowel and dismember you. Haha, <laughs> just joking. But I will humble you. And I am going to completely eviscerate you. And Cedric says the joke will be on you with the added emphasis 
of the glasses being taken off so that Drew could see right into his eyes. This is a man of passion. But Cedric couldn't see his because he took his glasses off. Like if he had oh, he really seen triple hair, it's like really blurry vision. That'd be really funny. Um, yeah, yeah, whatever. This was like a pro- a good promo to lead to something to come later. So it, it's a, it's apparent that last week's really stupid angle involving Cedric Alexander is going to lead to some type of push. And that is what we went into in the next match. Uh, Alexander early on hit a handspring into Guri, a Topicon hero, and then Drew caught him with a belly to belly into the corner. Drew's in control, and Cedric stopped a vertical suplex, landed an elbow, and then Cedric caught Drew with a drop kick as Drew came off the top. Handspring gets blocked, and Drew's attacking him with punches in the corner, goes for the inverted Alabama slam, and Cedric counters with a victory roll and covers him in three minutes and 18 seconds, and everyone was stunned that Cedric pinned Drew McIntyre, which was uh, quite the fall uh, for Drew, who... Most of us were expecting, like, this is where you're going to set up Drew McIntyre and The Undertaker for SummerSlam. I didn't sense a trace of that tonight, and maybe that is not where Drew is headed for SummerSlam, at least not this week. Certainly makes you question it, you know? Um, Watching this, you would think that it would be a rematch between these two. It's interesting um, that Drew did not take the pinfall on the pay-per-view, but he lost here to Cedric. Uh, I think it's a pleasant surprise, you know? It almost makes up for how... Bad Cedric Alexander looked coming out of the ankle last week. But whenever these fluke wins happen with a small guy beating some type of like, you know, main event level favorite, it's really to get really easy to get excited when they occur. But so much of it depends on the follow up because next week, I mean, he could just squash Cedric and he'd be right back in the same place. So we'll, we'll see how they follow up with it before I, I make uh, my, my, my judgment. Yeah, I'm kind of on the other side. It's like, I'm all for giving Cedric more. But to me, it's like, Drew has been someone that they have, I won't say completely protected, but they've built him up so much that, like, if this is where you're cashing in your chips on the, you know, like, he just beat Roman Reigns not all that long ago. And he's been so protected. And now we're doing this with him. Um, it makes I me just, feel like, though, this, they're not going to fully cash their chips in on Drew. It's not like Cedric's going to get like clean wins on Drew McIntyre like week after week. I feel like it'll just be like one of those respect things or Drew just defeats him next week. That could be where they they go. And this was just simply to play off of last week, give Cedric something, and then Drew ultimately moves on. I cannot see these two going to SummerSlam. I think that Drew, Mm -hmm. you would figure, has something, a bigger plan. But absolutely no tease of The Undertaker. There was, outside of the recap, no mention of him tonight. So... Um, we're also several weeks out you know, yeah they they do have time uh, and and maybe to be honest like next week you're gonna have your biggest audience and maybe that's the time to do something big if you have a big angle planned um so we'll see finn balor is backstage and he said last night was a tough night this was kind of jarring we went from him like joking around with the guys like two segments ago and now he's like this s- super depressed loser from last night and it was just so close to, like, it was right before the Cedric match. He's just, he's just joking around with the Street Profits and everyone. He, he's, a, he's a man of many emotions, I guess. I guess so. Uh, he said that he lost the IC title to Nakamura. He does not dwell on the past. Well, maybe that's the secret. And he wants his title back. But tonight he is facing Samoa Joe. And he's going to get through him. And we immediately cut to Joe, who says, you're going to do what? And... 
I don't know how he could hear this man across the building, but I kind of like the immediate response to the promo, just going from one shot to the next. And he Joe was... was uh, I guess. Did he have a monitor there? Did he have an earpiece? Vince probably played it for him. Maybe Vince was, like, reading the promo for him off the script. Sure. In his best Finn Balor. Uh, Joe was also sporting a bit of a black eye on his left eye here, and he's going to be waiting to hand Finn another loss. And that took us to Joe and Balor. Uh, Balor started off with a headlock, and he got a headlock takeover. Joe got out, hit him with a chop. We go back to the the headlock for Balor, and he goes for another headlock takeover, but Joe counters it with a crucifix, and he pins Finn Balor in a minute 24, and there is not even a moment of separation. They just continue. Joe rolls and applies a coquina clutch. Balor rolls out, stomps him on the chest, sling blade, John Woo dropkick, coup de grace. It was like, okay, Joe's winning, but our goal is to make you completely forget that Balor lost all within two and a half minutes. And also make you forget that Joe won here in two minutes. It was an afterthought. Like this was the most, like there was, there wasn't even a second to announce Joe as the winner. Like they just rolled right into this and it was almost like we're pinning Balor, but we don't want you to remember it. Yeah. Um, we should mention um, Ryan Satin had a report tonight that Finn Balor is scheduled to be taking some time off later this summer. Uh, the date is not uh, knowing exactly when he'll be taking this time off, but I did hear that this that is happening. So it looks like Balor will be stepping away at some point uh, this summer for some time off. So the lights go out um, and they're they're flickering and going out. And it was funny because they were alluding to the, the power outages in New York over the weekend, which I thought was kind of funny that they were uh, using that to try and explain these lights going out. And you can hear something going on in the ring, and then the light shines, and it's Bray Wyatt in his mask, and he got an enormous pop. He hits Balor with the sister Abigail. The lights continue to flicker. This place went nuts, and then it just ends with Bray's cackle over the speakers to end the segment. I, I thought this was done very, very well. I thought the Bray stuff was really cool. Um, yeah, just, the, the Joe and Balor was totally separate. Yeah. I thought that was just uh, very confusing and not even the direction we seem to be going with, with Balor. It looks like Balor will be Bray's first opponent. And yeah, it just seemed like, I, I don't even really know. It was almost an excuse just to get Finn Balor in the ring to do this segment with Bray and the match was we're just going to try and make you forget it instantly well we know they wanted to rehab uh, Joe at the same time they were trying to serve uh, Bray up to or Finn Balor up to Bray so they they had a lot of masters to serve and I by the end of it I think Joe was unfortunately um, the sacrifice that uh, didn't really gain all that much I mean certainly he wasn't hurt but at the same time I don't necessarily feel like he was really rehabbed with the gimmick with the segment like this nonetheless I thought the the Bray Wyatt stuff was really cool we had wondered how they would translate the funhouse stuff into a live setting and here I thought they they served it really well could you see them doing uh just Bray and Finn straight up at SummerSlam could you see him doing the the demon or to me this this is just like a setup for Bray to win and yeah. I, I don't know if I'd use the demon for that kind of a role. No, I think you just have Bray defeat Finn Balor, whether on TV or at SummerSlam. Finn the human, I want him to, I think he'll beat. And then um, uh, the demon will have to come back to avenge the loss. And you get the demon versus 
That's a great idea. That's a that's actually a great idea. Bray should give him a beating at SummerSlam. Finn goes away, and it's this devastating loss, and he comes back in a few months as the Demon. I, I like that a lot, actually. Otherwise, I mean, why do Finn Balor? You could do everybody else, but you know, the Demon versus this. Uh, uh, what's the character called? I even. What does he call this specific monster? I don't know. I feel like he's got one of the names for it, but anyway. A fiend? Isn't it? Uh... Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. I mean, that's a natural uh, match. This got over really well, though. Now, you know, for the first time, we're introducing this Bray Wyatt character into the arena setting. Granted, this was this was limited, but I, I thought this worked out very well. The mask looks super cool, and the crowd really got into this. So I thought this was uh, this was a win. Uh, throughout the night, we got a series of promos for next week's Raw, and new names being promoted include Mick Foley, Patterson and Briscoe, Lillian Garcia, Alundra Blaze, uh, The Godfather was shown in one of the spots, Booker T, Mark Henry, Kelly Kelly, Rikishi, Road Dog, Ron Simmons, and the main eventer, move aside Steve Austin, Sid will be at Raw next week. That's the one that definitely surprised, I think, me and a, and a lot of people. Um, a name that we haven't heard from in years. At he least did. Not. He did Raw One Thousand. That was like seven years ago. He did that. Um, he that did. Show. He did do Raw One Thousand. Wow. So he did something with Heath Slater on that show. I remember. But um, outside of that, like, yeah, he has not been one of the go-to people that they call on for these kinds of things. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. I totally forget. But you're right. Yeah, he had a match with Heath Slater. Jeez. So anyway, that's uh, that's next week's show, and it just seems like everybody is getting contacted for this. Uh, Jim Ross confirmed that he had been invited and turned it down. Uh, Bully Ray had stated he received an, an invite. So I imagine this was like just we're going to contact everybody, and we'll figure out how to work everyone into this. So I'm expecting a lot of uh, we'll get some poker games. We're going to get some random people running backstage because I don't know how they're going to, even with three hours, how they'll fit all these people because there's probably a ton more on top of what they've announced. You're going to have surprises. You're going to have... It just seems like everyone's going to get an invite for this. Catering's going to be really busy. It's going to be very busy, yes. Are you, what did you think about the push for this Raw? Like, it's... In other years, they've they've used, like, a month to build this up. How did you think they... For, for a week, how do you think they did tonight just building this up to be a special Raw next week? Well, I think word travels pretty fast these days online. Um, I mean, often they can announce something an afternoon and generate enough buzz for the weekend. So I would say, I think people who are watching raw still live are going to be well aware of it. Um, I think it's enough. They'll probably plug the hell out of this over the next week. And USA will as well. Like all the big names are coming back led by Austin. So I think this will be promoted very heavily over the next seven days. Drake Maverick and Renee were, their, their goal was to have sex on this show. They were checking into a hotel and they brought a cameraman with them and which is to, to each their own. They had Drake register under the name 24 seven champion. And Renee got very upset that he registered under the name 24 seven champion. And he explained, well, if I said I was Mr. Maverick, that would give it away. <laughs> I just thought that was really hilarious. And she orders the most expensive champagne. He pays the guy off in cash, and then they head off to their room. And then our truth is lurking behind the uh, check-in area with a referee 
and he goes to the same guy and asks for a guest named Hornswoggle and then offers to bribe him for information. And if you look closely, it appeared to be a $1 bill that he paid this guy off with. And, and it worked. It worked. This guy had a very – he was easily accessible for information and I guess could also translate what Hornswoggle meant. Yeah. You must be a fan. Then – we got an unbelievable moment in Raw history. We went to the Street Profits watching this on the monitor. So we have revealed that everyone can watch this. Uh, people watch Raw on the monitors all the time. But this was like an on-location uh, segment. So we're now establishing in this production that this is airing on Raw. Right. Okay. Unless like these private party segments are supposed to be, you know... Like, like behind the fourth wall, like they are they are they observers like we are. It would be funny if the Street Profits had never interacted with any of the talent. They were just in their own world on this show, but they have interacted with the performers and such. But right, I, I'm still trying to figure out their role. Um, they're really getting through on their delivery and their characters, and yeah, we'll we'll see where this ultimately goes with these two. Uh, so they can't believe that Drake Maverick has not consummated his marriage yet. They then preview the women's four-way. Uh, they're going with the, the story that Angelo Dawkins has a thing for Nikki Cross. And then they make their picks for the Battle Royal, where Dawkins is picking Big E, and Montez Ford is picking Seth Rollins. One mm -hmm. would be right. What's that? One would be right. One would be right, yeah. Um, I think these are actually like good segments, but they do feel a little awkward when they stop for all those pauses and there's just silence in the background. Um, I don't know if it's because this audience is actually not reacting to it or if uh, they're they're lowering the crowd mics for some of these. But they pause so much, like seemingly for reaction. But to hear silence where that reaction would be makes these feel a little bit flat. Then we had our next match. Zack Ryder. In, on, on Long Island. Yeah. I don't think he, he got a, a reaction of a, of a hometown hero in this. I didn't even realize till the end that he didn't he even have an entrance. No, he was just in the ring. And we cut to the back and Mike Kanellis is getting ready to come out. And Maria walks up to him and says, she is going to take the match. And he says, you can't take this match. You're pregnant. Maria calls and him. you're a, a woman. And you're a woman. Yes, this is not allowed in this company. Unless we're on an Extreme Rules pay-per-view and we need an end to a match. Maria calls him a loser and says that she has a better chance of defending the honor of their unborn child than he does. So Maria storms out and a referee is out there trying to stop her. Mike runs out, says, I've got this. And he enters the ring. He's hit with a rough rider and pinned in nine seconds, which the announcer states... The winner of the match in less than one minute. It's like in less than 10 seconds he won this match. Maria's pissed. And she says, our unborn child, before she corrects herself and says, my unborn child had a better chance in that ring than you did tonight. And she walked out as this poor guy is just 50 feet under. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> uh you know, th these continue to be, if if anything, at least interesting. But I I don't know. 
they've received no reaction at all live. I don't know if it was even meant to, or if it was just meant to like shock people. And I don't know, but like I'm watching these and I really can't help but feel like I'm just watching some dudes like cuckold fantasy play out for his own enjoyment. And I, I feel like what I'm saying right there is not too far from the truth. Yeah. It just seems to be a very, like it's, it's allowing Maria to just play like this this crazy lady, and it just seems as though what it's end? like I don't know. Uh, I don't think they're uh, unless like they're not really hitting it hard. The idea of like who's the father? It just seems more like Maria's pregnant and hates her husband, who's gotten her pregnant. That's the gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like there's no match at the end of this that that we can think about. Um. I don't know who it's helping, really. It's it's not ha- helping Mike, and it's really awkward because on 205 Live, he's playing a totally different character where he's the guy that is pissed off. that they're, When Drake Maverick got moved from uh, 205 Live to also doing the 24-7 stuff, they started this story where Mike is complaining that Drake Maverick, his priorities are elsewhere, and they should be on 205 Live. So that's been his whole thing. Now he's doing the exact same thing. And on 205 Live, like he's playing this guy who's trying to be like the disruptor on the show. And it's clearly building up to a match with Mike Kanellis and Drake Maverick. But the two are playing totally different characters on Raw. And like 205 Live, they're just trying to make sense of it. Like there's a line last week where Drake is trying to calm down Mike and say, listen, I know this business can do, can have a lot of uh, problems in your personal life. I'm I'm experiencing that too right now with Renee and it's like they're trying to make sense of the raw stuff on 205 live and it's <laughs> uh it it's like they're trying their best but it's they're in two different universes on Monday and Tuesday and Tuesday nights. I mean they do stuff like that and it's clear to me that the company at large does not give a shit about 205 live and that means I have no reason to watch it which is a shame because I know there's so many talented people on that roster and the matches everybody busts their ass but when you just like when you just like shit on all those storylines like that with like this i i i just can't take it seriously a promo ran for smackdown on tuesday night and they're promoting a smackdown town hall they really missed the boat it should have been a smackdown hall no they didn't okay Everyone will get to speak their mind, and this is basically promoting Shane McMahon's feud with Kevin Owens and whatever the next step in that feud is. So I imagine Kevin Owens maybe crashes this thing after he's told he can't enter the building or something, and we get the next progression of that feud, and Shane blows a gasket, and we get our SummerSlam match. That's where I think this is going. Sure, yeah. Sounds plausible. Sounds sounds like what they would do with the Steve Austin clone, yeah. Do you? I was thinking about this after we talked about it. Do you like the idea of Austin and Owens doing something next week, or does it make Owens look like the junior version of the real thing? I think they're already, depending on how they do it. But I think they're already doing that. They gave Maybe. him the. He's doing the stunner. So they're doing the stunner. I, I do think Owens has some momentum right now that he hasn't had in a long time, and it's 
I think, yeah. you, but I think you you capitalize uh, capitalize on it by drawing the association with Steve Austin. I mean, I think you have to do it in a cool way that doesn't. Yeah, don't, don't make him look like he's he's just a fanboy. It's it's like an idol worship segment. Like Owens has to look like he's his he's an equal, he's his equal and not like oh my god, I'm a fan of this is my my favorite wrestler kind of segment because that's death. But I feel like it'll be more like the fan thing. AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson versus the Lucha House Party. <laughs> this was great because I, I don't know if they had a concern that people were going to tune away from this match, but Michael Cole prefaced by saying, we promise this is going to be a competitive match here. <laughs> and boy, was it competitive. Uh, we got the advantage on Grand Metalik right away. Anderson and Gallows double team them. And then Ricochet shows up, pulling a- uh, AJ off the apron and beats him down on the floor and the officials have to pull off Ricochet, and then they breaked, uh, They broke for commercial. And this was like the closest we've gotten to a slow easing away from the, the hard line of these commercials. Because when we came back, the match was going on. There was no bell to restart it. It was just the match was continuing. What a revolutionary change. And nothing, the world still didn't fall apart. At this point, though, why even do the reset at all? Well, it was like they said they were going to reset when they went to break, but it's not like we had to go the extra step with the stupid bell ringing when we come back. They just went right back into the match, and I think that this is like the the slow movement away from these commercials. At least it was one example of doing it, and like I just I never thought that commercial thing was going to stick, and we'll see if it does or not. Clearly, there's evidence on this show that they're still going with it, but it seemed. Less pronounced on this show. And I think they're just going to, you know, throw their scripts in the air one week and say, this is way more, this is way too much work. Yeah. So anyway, the match continues. Lince Dorado hit a springboard stunner onto Anderson. Kalisto came in, got caught with a spine buster from Anderson. Gallows and Anderson hit the boot of doom. And then Styles applied the calf crusher. Kalisto tapped out and Styles would not release the hold and eventually did. And it was just a strong win for the heels AJ is despicable, and we're going towards him in Ricochet. Yeah, I thought this was a fun match that made the club look very strong, very mean. Um, they're they're successfully, I think, you know, refreshing themselves into a serious threat in the at least this uh, raw tag team slash I don't know uh, mid card division. They're dropping that all the I don't know hot Asian wife stuff, which I never thought really worked out for them, and they're just instead destroying everybody. So I think they're establishing themselves well. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Seth Rollins. He is spent both physically and emotionally, and he's got to watch Brock walking around with a title he does not deserve. He is possessed, and he says that Becky is one of the toughest women that he has ever met, and she's going to be okay. He's unsure if she's going to show up tonight, but Corbin found out what happens when he's pushed too far, and that's what's in store for anyone in his path back to the title, and he will beat anyone until he fights Lesnar and beats Lesnar. And this was a much-needed Seth Rollins promo that I was not feeling awkward watching. This was a breath of fresh air from Seth Rollins, I thought. Yeah, I think anything would have been better than, you know, the whole month we had of him awkwardly talking with Becky. But uh, this is a Rollins I like. You know, he it's a Rollins that's hungry uh, and who's really angry and wanting to get revenge. Then we went to the fatal four-way elimination match between Alexa Bliss, Carmella, Naomi, and Natalia. The winner would face Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. 
And Becky comes out. She is limping down the ramp, and she sits ringside for this entire match. Natalia and Naomi were down early, and Carmella just kept going for covers on both of them while screeching, while each of them kicked out multiple times. Carmella hit the Mella go round to Natalia after a Hurricane Rana off the top. And then Alexa is hiding on the floor with Nikki Cross, sneaks in, rolls up Carmella for the first elimination in three minutes and two seconds. We go to a break. We come back. The crowd is really not into this. Bliss goes back to the floor with Nikki. So Naomi uh, hits Natalia with a blockbuster off the steps. And then Bliss capitalizes by attacking Naomi from behind, throws her into the ring. And then Naomi hits a bubble bomb and a ghetto clutch for a two count. Then Natalia applies the surfboard and Alexa goes for the cover and bliss distracts. Natalia hits a spinning power bomb. And again, bliss tries a double cover and Naomi kicks out. And I think that this was just a slow match. Some of the, some of the kicks, some of the offense was like, it was really off and I think the crowd, they were trying to be as patient, but when they realized this match just keeps going and going and it's dead, they finally just hit a boiling point and they start chanting, this is awful at this match. And like, this was not a good match at this point. Uh, no. There were these bad kicks by Alexa to Natalia in the corner, like stuff that's just, it's like missing by a wide margin. Uh, Naomi does the splits on the apron to kick down Bliss, and then Natalia catches her and stacks her for the next elimination after rolling through on a sunset flip. And we are down to Alexa and Natalia. The crowd is just hating this match, and I would guess this was an audible call because Nikki gets onto the microphone and demands that everyone cheer for her friend Alexa. And to their credit, the audience did start yelling. Uh, they, they got into it. But then Nikki starts yelling at the crowd to shut up, which is the last thing I think you wanted this crowd to do. Um, the audience did wake up at the end. I mean, I think that was the intended point was if you yell at them to shut up, they won't do the up. reverse psychology. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it worked. It worked. They got into the end of this. Um, they were chanting, you suck. And then Natalia hit a discus clothesline that missed Alexa and took out Nikki Cross on the floor. She rolls Bliss into the ring, applies the sharpshooter, and Alexa taps out. This match went 23 minutes and 28 seconds. This was longer than anything on the pay-per-view. I'm amazed. Um, I'm really amazed because that any match goes for this long anymore. Um, and certainly not a match like this without that much star power attached to it. Alexa Bliss is, is popular, but I think you have three other people who have not been on TV in matches, at least, in months. So, there was no emotional favorite to win this match that you were yeah. really rooting for. I mean, the emotional favorite was sitting ringside in Becky Lynch. Exactly. And oh, sorry. I thought, I thought to me, of all the people out there that I would want to see win this, it was Nikki Cross up until recently, Like to be honest. And she but, wasn't even in the, in the match. And in this match, she turned pretty much full on heel, like telling the crowd to shut up and everything. So I, I feel like that boat's kind of sailed. I was interested to see if like they would go on with like an Alexa Nikki storyline with Alexa being pissed at Nikki, but that didn't really occur. She, like, Alexa not seemingly upset at all about the loss last night. Um, but the match itself, I mean, people might look at this as like somebody's going to be out there f trying to reframe this as like a you know one of those like uh, get, uh you know uh, audiences shitting on like a women's match. This was not it. This was an audience shitting on a shitty match. 
Um, and I felt like that this was awful chant was completely warranted. It was a boring match. A ton of chin locks that just seemed to go on forever. Chin lock after chin lock after chin lock. So many chin locks that I felt like, did they forget something? Are they just sitting here because they don't know where to go next? I don't know. But something felt really off about it. It was, I think, one of the worst matches of the year. Yeah, this just like this idea of sending these women out for 23 and a half minutes was just crazy. Um, and in a city like Long Island that I mean, it's it's not going to be your, your hottest market to begin with. Like it's like Long Island. Sorry to say, like does not have a great rep for that. So I just thought this was like poorly thought out. And you're right. Like you didn't have that person that baby face in this match or even the heel that people were really genuinely behind that really wanted to see win this like it, you didn't have that um so this was just it was poor ex- poorly planned out and poorly executed um yeah that was that i feel bad for somebody like natalia you know because this was supposed to be her springboard towards a title match but you know let's let's i don't completely what, put- what have they done to prepare for this exactly moment? like natalia hasn't been on tv in a, t- in a segment in months um, neither has Naomi, so there's really like no favor built uh, 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 along with a chase, other than the fact that she's Canadian and this pay per view is taking place in Toronto. That might work, but it's not going to work in Long Island. Well, if you're going back to watch this, I'd say skip the match and watch the promo afterwards. That was uh, the strength of this. Charlie interviews Natalia. She just says Lexi sucks, and then says what a difference a year makes uh, alluding to you know last year the week of SummerSlam her father passed away and now she's going to her home country to face her friend Becky Lynch and Becky storms into the ring they're chanting for Becky she doesn't care if she's hurt it's time to drop the smiles and says that at SummerSlam you're not taking on your friend and you better step up or I'm going to wipe the floor with you in your home country and your career needs something and I'm it and I do a lot better in war than I do in love. So Natalia responds, well, you better not be a very good lover, bitch. And says, this is going to be a war. And I'm going to rip that greasy orange mop off your head. And I'm going to pull the horseshoe out of your ass and beat the living hell out of you. This was a line out of uh, Brock Lesnar's UFC 100 speech about taking the horseshoe out of Frank Mir's ass and beating him over the head with it. And, and I wonder if that had the same writer as this. Uh, I bet you it did. And last week was the 10-year anniversary of UFC 100. So I imagine someone saw that clip and just that was a good line to use. Um, or the guy who came out with it originally, maybe. Uh, per- perhaps so, yes. Uh, there was no mention of Coors Light here by Natalia. That would have been the uh, the exclamation <laughs> point on this promo. But um, I, I thought the post-match people got into that part. You at least gave um, a story for this match, but the match was a disaster. I can't really sugarcoat it. The post-match saved it, I thought. Um, the segment ended strong. I thought Becky, you know, who the, who everybody was here to, to see uh, and wanted to hear from, delivered her lines well. And I thought Natalia delivered her lines very well. They were well scripted, gave her some attitude, very much needed attitude that I don't think Natalia has shown in a long, long time in her WWE career. Um you know, making full use of the of the permission to say the word bitch, and I thought used effectively here, um, and and great passion with those final lines. So she sh- showed good fire here, and in the end, that's really all that matters. I think people over time forget. I mean, probably by tomorrow, if I'm or by next week at least, people forget about the match. They'll see this promo in the highlight packages week after week, and Toronto will give her a great reaction. 
And ultimately, I think that she is the best choice of the four that they put in this match because, like, Becky needs to have, like, a great match. And Natalia is probably the best choice that they had here to do that. You're going to get a great reaction in Toronto. And for Becky, you know, post-Ronda, post-Charlotte, I mean, it's not been a stellar run. So at the very least, I think you can have a good buildup and hopefully a hot match at SummerSlam. I would actually say, like, Natalia seems to me a lot more appropriate for, I would say, a show like Extreme Rules. Um, I just don't necessarily see her as a mainstream level star that they've been promoting at that, you know, I think is, is worthy of a Becky Lynch SummerSlam main event. But Who is, though? Like, well, that's the that point. There? What I mean yeah. is, like, it's a very thin roster on the Raw side right now. And, you know, going with, I think, the home, home country uh, 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 participant in, in Natalia probably is her best choice. Uh, Randy Orton did a promo. He's got unfinished business with Brock Lesnar, and he carries venom that will slay the beast. And he was the only promo for the Battle Royal, guys, I guess, other than Rollins. And Braun Uh, said some words in the back before he came out. Oh, that's right. The Miz comes out from Miz TV, and his guest is Dolph Ziggler, who is requested to be on the show. He wanted to see if Miz is a company yes-man that reads off the teleprompter Miz says, I'm just happy to be here. I'm not trying. And uh, Ziggler says, that's your problem. You're just happy to be here. You no longer are trying to prove the people wrong about you. And he asks about Miz and if it's worth kissing all that ass to not even be booked on the pay-per-view. Miz says, well, I'd rather be off the pay-per-view than losing in 17 seconds. Ziggler says, you're right. You're right. That was bad. That was Goldberg bad. And Shots fired. Damn. Yes. Well... You know what? It's actually a smart line because if Goldberg legitimately got pissed about that line, Ziggler could say, I mean, like I lost really quickly in a squash, which was your gimmick, even though I think everyone knew what what he meant. Maybe he means plausible deniability is the key in wrestling. Maybe he means Mike Goldberg. Yeah, exactly. He didn't specify. Not a fan of Mike Goldberg. Everyone jumping to conclusions. Yes, because just like that, it is all over. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Ziggler calls him a walking gimmick. And you're not even from Long Island, and you're wearing a Long Island t-shirt. And he's become everyone he hates because he just cares about fortune and fame, just like your wife. Yeah. And Miz is like, you fucking prick. And he jumps Dolph, and they fight. And I guess I guess this is where we're going, Miz and Ziggler. Miz and Ziggler. We've had good matches in the past. Yeah, but... I don't. I didn't really care then, and I certainly don't really care about it in 2019 when both of their their stocks have been incredibly cold recently. Um, I know this is like, I, to me, Ziggler is just like he can only do so much um, to I think spark my interest, um, and certainly it's it becomes that much tougher if it's in a feud with another guy who is in the very much uh, the same position as he is in the mid card. They're both lifers. I think both men that are desperately in need of makeovers probably haven't had them, probably won't get them. And to me, it's just just like, I would rather see them as a team, you know? That might be something different. That might be unique. But as a matchup, a SummerSlam matchup even? Oh, man. Well, that's what I thought. During this segment, like, I'm watching this, and I'm just thinking in my head, like, we're getting, like, 17 matches at SummerSlam if we're shooting angles for Ziggler and Miz. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's supposed to be. I, I get. I, how long do you think it'll go? The show. 
I think with a, if you say 5 p.m. is the start time, I, I think it's going at least till 11, if not past 11. Yeah. I'll say like 11.15. That's a long night. It's, 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 a long the long, it's the longest party of the summer. That's what they should call it. Yeah. Yeah. Drake Maverick is in the hotel room with roses and teasing that we're going to get to see sex coming up next. And Corey says, I pay a subscription for stuff like this. Corey actually had some great lines. He did. Coming in and out of this segment. This was his We come back. Yep. Yep. Renee is off changing. And there is Drake who proclaims that daddy's ready for love. And we reveal that he's doing his, uh, his best Shawn Michaels here, wearing the title and apparently nothing else. Although they did uh, prepare for some, some coverage. The door knocks and a supposed bellman walks in with the champagne and wheels in a uh, little, whatever it's, uh, cart. Cart, that's the word I'm looking for. And they're, like, getting ready to, like, have sex, and then they realize the referee, or the bellman, is still there. You had Drake, Drake Maver- tells him to leave. Yeah, it was Drake um, telling his, telling what you would assume to be his erection to... Um, yeah, he, he was about to, he was about to have a false finish. Before the match. Or a match that didn't start at all. So then R-Truth sneaks out from the cart where he's hidden. And he rolls up Drake Maverick, who is wearing underwear, for a two count. Roses are thrown and then Truth pins Maverick on the bed while Renee is screaming. And it ends by cutting to Corey, Michael Cole, and Renee. And Corey says... I would have utilized the small package and this just killed Renee. She thought this was the funniest thing ever. And it was a very good line. The line was great, but seeing Renee and Cole crack up uh, in, in a, ven- a very genuine reaction, I thought made really made the segment. I, I thought this was a lot of fun. You know, I think this is exactly what the 24 seven belt was made for stupid comedy segments like this. And then so that you can go on a Wikipedia at some point in the future, five years from now and trace the history of this 24 seven belt and read that our truth pin Drake Maverick in a bed in a hotel room on the night that he was supposed to consummate his marriage to win the 24 seven belt. It's just ridiculousness. And I thought it was well set up. It continues this, I think magnificent run Drake Maverick has been, has been having. His wife is also a great performer. She did well here as well. And it, our truth totally shines. So these three continue to to be creating some very entertaining segments. They recap the ESPY awards, got a shot of Daniel Cormier on Raw. And then it's time for the main event. The cross-branded all-star top 10 over the top rope number one contenders final elimination battle royal to determine the challenger for the universal title at WWE SummerSlam. Bingo. Got it. All of the guys are out. We go to a commercial. Brock and Heyman are out as well, and they just sit and watch. And you know what I liked about this Battle Royal so much, Way? It started at 1048. We weren't going to get a 25-minute Battle Royal. It was just going to be over and done with in under eight minutes. Hard to fit a commercial break, I suppose, in a Battle Royal. I guess you could restart anything these days, but... Hmm. Cesaro... Uh, Cesaro got his shine in early. He did these nonstop running uppercuts to everybody and then goes to give Ray the Cesaro swing. And then Lashley 
Military presses Cesaro up and over to the floor. And Cesaro, he had a great 24 hours, but a loser in both. Unfortunate. Um, But at least he was considered part of the top 10. Yeah, I mean, his ranking went up yesterday, so he shouldn't be turned off by a loss. Yeah, yeah. And I think, if anything, it shows you that they are taking him seriously. They, they He was one of the few who had time to really shine in this match. Braun then launches Lashley to the floor, who's got taped ribs. Big E did a face-off with Braun and hit the big ending and then turned around into an RKO and Sami Zayn tossed out Big E and people were disappointed. Zayn starts celebrating. He's hit with an RKO, a 619, and then Orton eliminates Zayn. There's an RKO to Reigns, a 619 to Reigns, and Reigns, I guess the 619 gave him powers, recuperative powers, because he just fired off a Superman punch to Randy Orton. Corbin then grabs Ray and, of course, just tosses Ray to the floor. Everyone's pissed. Strowman, Reigns, and Rollins stare down Corbin, and it includes a drive-by, a super kick, and then Corbin gets sent out by Seth. Reigns misses Strowman and spears Seth, and then Braun sends Reigns over the top to the edge of the apron. Reigns does the Chris Benoit Big Show spot with the guillotine, trying to pull Braun over the top to the floor, and then Seth nails both of them and knocks over Braun. This is like the Shawn Michaels diesel elimination spot from the 94 Rumble, where Seth goes to hit one guy, but then ends up also eliminating his friend in Roman Reigns. And I really like this spot because it teased something with Seth and Reigns. And also, like, there was the spear spot just moments ago that Reigns accidentally hit Seth with. And this uh, got rid of Reigns. Probably to some people's surprise. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, I wonder if they'll follow up with it. But, um, I mean, it's it's a rumble. You know, it's a battle royal. So I, I, I don't necessarily sense them going too much in the dissension uh, angle between the two of them. But they could. When this was down to these guys, I was starting to think, oh, my God, we're getting a multi-person match at SummerSlam. So I was happy when Braun and Reigns were out. And then Randy Orton returns. And I had totally – he had been thrown through the middle rope to the floor, and I definitely forgot about him. He comes back in, and he nails Seth with a draping DDT. And the crowd is, like, getting into Orton actually winning this. He calls for the RKO. It's stopped by Seth, and Seth proceeds to hit him with the stomp. And then eliminates Randy Orton in 7:52, and Rollins is the winner. I like the final uh, sequences of the of the battle royal. I mean, overall, it was what like a felt like a eight minute something battle royal. Yep. And I'm, yeah, I think a good way to you know rebuild somebody for a, a championship match. I always enjoy them. They're nice and simple, and they do the job. But you know, I don't know if I'm that excited for a Rollins Brock rematch at SummerSlam. You know, I don't they, think they did enough uh, from last night to tonight that, um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. Like it did, I, I don't think it it blows people away that they're just doing this singles match again. We, we just saw it at WrestleMania. Um, I'm trying to even think back of, of what I felt about the match. I, it it I was, guess. I mean, it was like relatively quick. It opened the show and was like, what right. a five minute match. Yeah. Yeah. So this so. is going to be them doing the full out match. I would assume. Whereas mm-hmm. WrestleMania, I guess that's their argument that you really didn't get the full match out of them at WrestleMania. And you will now. Um, yeah, I guess, but I, I just don't necessarily know if the demand is there to, to see what this match looks like anyway. Whereas 
Kofi versus Brock really did feel like a fresh matchup that I think a lot of people would have been a lot more interested in. Uh, just for the story involved, um, to see Kofi potentially beat Brock Lesnar being his biggest win to date, I feel like there was a lot more there. But nonetheless, they decided to go this route, which I think is the safer route, and I think the less interesting route. And it ended with Heyman announcing him the winner. Rollins told him to shut up and said what he did to Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, he's going to do again and be champion again. A, a lot st- of again, agains used. A little strange. It felt like they had a lot of uh, a bit of time to fill here. And um, some of the exchanges didn't feel completely smooth. And the way they went off air didn't feel completely smooth either. But it, it's, you know, it's, it's part of live TV. If you were putting this together, what would have been your, your pick for Brock's match at SummerSlam? What do you think would have been the most compelling? Kofi. Kofi oh. versus Lesnar? Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean, but not putting the title on Lesnar. I would have had Lesnar take or, Kofi. Or, or, or you just do the same thing where he cashes in on Kofi. I yes. See. Right. Yes. All right. Well, that was Raw. Um, you know, coming off of last week's Raw, this was... Uh, this is the greatest three-hour show in history. So I certainly saw this as this was not at the level of two weeks ago, but not at the level of last week either. So it was somewhere it was in the middle, somewhere in the middle. And I would say I think something that more equated to like your average raw, maybe slightly above average, even because yep. average raw has been pretty bad as of late. So this was at least better than that. Um, I can't say there was much in the way of good matches. In fact, there was a really bad match in the middle of all this. Uh, it went almost twenty-five minutes. Yeah. Like a significant portion of Raw was a very bad match. Yes. Um, you know, the the whole commercial break thing continues. Again, like I've seen so much good wrestling over the past week that's been kind of like unhindered with these weird commercial break things that I no longer watch <laughs> Raw for good wrestling anymore. I watch Raw to stay up to date with storylines, to see what potential, you know, uh good promos may exist, maybe interesting segments. Uh but Matt wrestling you only get previews, you know? You're only getting moves here on on WWE TV show. Don't expect good matches anymore when you're watching Raw, which is unfortunate, but that's, I think, the reality. So I can't I can't say any of these matches were good, but um, they laid the foundation for a number of SummerSlam programs, which you might like or might not like, but <laughs> they did the work to get there, at least. Yeah. Uh, the positives on the show, I really like the reintroduction of Bray uh, and yes. setting that up with Finn. I like that a lot. Um, I like the Styles Ricochet interactions throughout the show. I think they added like an edge to that program, and I have high hopes for that match in Toronto, uh, presuming they do it at SummerSlam. And I would say those and the pro, the Natalia promo with Becky was desperately needed after that match. To yeah, salvage. they at least nailed that. Yeah. All right, uh, what do you give this show? I say a five point five. I was gonna go five. The audience on the forum gave it a 4.65. So you and I didn't go too much higher than the forum. Paul from New Jersey writes, I was incredibly impressed with Drew McIntyre's promo. The guy has really become an excellent performer in all facets of the game. Saying Cedric Alexander shocked the world last week is like saying the LA Rams shocked the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. I'm officially nominating Mike and Maria for worst angle of the year. I'm not saying they will be victorious, but it's always nice to be nominated. I attended Extreme Rules, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. However, these TVs tend to be lacking. Some good stuff, some bad stuff, and a cool spot from Bray Wyatt, 5.5. Your winner in less than a minute, Paul from New Jersey. Yep. Uh, Jalen from Pickering, who says, I haven't watched it in a long time, but was hoping for an interesting main event. That did not happen, as all of the interesting options got eliminated early on, and the crowd was basically dead from the women's match on. The Fiends' debut was great. For whatever they did with... 
Hiroki Johto and Finn before <laughs> was stupid and pointless. Both of these men lost last night. Granted, half of the main event had lost their matches too, so I guess it doesn't matter. There's a, there's a funny story to that. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp pointed out uh, from Fightful that Joe is now 0-8 in like his title matches for whether it's the Universal or WWE title. So he really is Hiroki Johto. <laughs> Andrew from Cape Breton. Raw was weird tonight. This comes up constantly when matches like these occur, but I hate when they have losers from the pay-per-view or just recently on television be in contention for one of the top titles. Uh, yeah, I, I echo that same sentiment. I understand that a lot of the guys were at the SmackDown show, but I still think that's a valid criticism. They also just like don't think that far ahead. And I don't... The, the problem is like AJ was already tied up in a program. Finn was already tied up in a segment. Like... Your real top 10 is actually tied up with other things. And for some excuse to put on a, a battle royal, they needed to call them all-stars or call them the top 10 when obviously that's not the case. So maybe better wording of, of what they called this match would have been better. But anyway. Think it. about this. Xavier Woods worked on the SmackDown house show. So that means they pulled Big E from the SmackDown house show to be in this battle royal. Yeah. So it has to be a thought of, well, we can't pull someone too important, and Biggie fits like the role of someone will like. I can understand they did, they don't want to beat Alistair Black. I do kind of understand that, and it's probably the same with Kevin Owens. But it does make it complicated when you're putting in. You're trying to put the top contenders into a match. You're also trying to protect guys, and you don't want to leave a house show bare. And then you get something like this, where it's just very strange. They've just they have too much too much to do. Uh, in regards to the Battle Royal, the match name was just a run-on sentence. You see something like that in the feedback for Rewind to Raw. I'll try to be positive tonight. I like the use of the Street Profits. Seems like they don't have anything for them, but it looks like WWE is just trying to establish their personalities and their promo style with talking about what is happening on Raw. They don't even have to sound like brooding 15-year-olds. Uh, they just don't have to sound like that. I like the Viking Raiders and squash matches. I like WWE establishing the club. In a competitive match with the Lucha House Party, generally the show is okay. Five out of ten show. Dave in Boston, from my perspective, being from Dublin, when Becky was chasing the title and feuding with Rousey, she was doing some great work on the mic. Now that she's champ, the shtick has gotten a little tiresome. The whole stuff with Rollins was god-awful, but I am intrigued with this Natalia angle, how they go. It has potential. I had high hopes that they would go with a fresh storyline to challenge Brock like Randy Orton. He was looking so good in the match, getting a great reaction, and the history of their previous SummerSlam matches with the blood could have been played up really well. That's that's right. Alas, we go back to the same old Rollins. Rollins does nothing for me. Sure, he's a good wrestler, but he has no charisma or believability to be the top guy, in my opinion. Looking forward to next week's Raw with all the legends. I hope it's better than Raw 25. Yeah, which was not a good show. Yeah. At least they're in one building this time. Noah from Vaughn, for a three-hour show, I felt this dragged so much, especially during the four-way, which felt like an hour on its own. After all the wrestling you guys have watched this weekend, for your own sake, I'm hoping for an amazing show. Such a shame. <laughs> if we're, we're including alive. this, it was certainly the worst match of the weekend. Or worst show of the weekend, I mean. Um, Jay from Colorado, after a pretty decent Extreme Rules, where we were blessed with the return of Aleister Black's squeaky ramp entrance, I was optimistic that Raw would be a decent show. It wasn't. There were some okay segments, and Bray's return was awesome, but it just seems like business as usual again. Here's a question. 
What happened to Robert Roode's amazing mustache? As quick as oh, that's it came, what he had. He had the mustache. Yes, the mustache. As quick as it came into our lives, it was gone. I mourn for it. Well, I guess he hasn't been on TV in a while, and just <laughs> in that time, that thing grew back. Um, it's in it, the it's in the WWE warehouse next to Cody's. It really was great. Um, I don't know. Maybe somebody told him they didn't like it. I totally forgot about that thing. I haven't thought of that thing once. Alex from Maple started good, but then died something fierce. The Joe Balor match made no sense. Natalia winning really killed any buzz because no one cares. I, I disagree. I think people got into Natalia at the end, and I think that she will have, um, I think doing that in Toronto, it'll get a good reaction. Not hyped for SummerSlam. We already saw Rollins and Lesnar mania. Does anyone care about Natty? I hate that they are shoving. Man, he's really got it out for Natalia here. He In both paragraphs, he goes out of his way to uh, disparage Natalia. Well, I mean, he's just telling us, I think, what what is indicative of a lack of push for Natalia over the past uh, several months. She really has not been – like, you would expect somebody to be built up for a SummerSlam to receive at least some form of momentum on the undercard through, you know, wins over other talents. But Natalia has gotten none of that. Um, she hasn't even had airtime or story. So I, I, I don't completely disagree with Alex because they haven't been building this – this title contention, I think, all that effectively. Uh, we go to Brandon from New Jersey, who says, "Greetings, my come de garçon. I've been, I'm back. Been a while since we spoke. I know some have missed me and some didn't, but hey, it be what it be. Hey, heavy is the head who wears the crown, but nobody want the smoke from the Calico Kid. Nah, I mean shit. Anywho." Raw, like a roller coaster, it had a lot of ups and downs from Paul Heyman giving a pep talk to the roster in the back with his zoot zoot to that marathon women's greatest battle royal. It was tolerable. Onward and upward to the road to SummerSlam. With Finn taking a sabbatical after SummerSlam, will it be shown will he be shown dignity before he departs? What does that mean? What's dignity like? I, I think I think your idea is what they should do. It's like I think he should lose at SummerSlam, and then he comes back with a revenge program with, with Bray. I think yeah. that's a really good way to do it. This is I not mean, this is not somebody taking his ball and going home. This is a, a man who you know is making I think a very uh, like a much needed request for what sounds like a bit of a personal break. That's all. So I don't I don't think they'll they'll lose on his way out because he they want to set up probably a rematch. Uh, he says, John, your tag partner who shall not be named called you a hype beast. How do you feel about that? Are you both trendy with the threads? What are your fave kicks or loafers for 2019? I have absolutely no idea what he's talking about. What was the bigger one hit wonder? Chumbawamba or the 2019 Toronto Raptors? Oh, man. Too too soon. That's really... Man, I'll I'll tell you this, though. The Toronto Raptors, we get knocked down, but we get up again. You're never going to keep us down. We'll see. That's it. I'm not reading the rest. All right. Ventac from Mumbai. Raw fucking sucked tonight. After all the great wrestling this weekend, Raw was just terrible. I now officially hate two out of three falls matches. Why do they not play around with the gimmick by having the match end at two falls? I don't understand the logic of Finn versus Joe. If Finn is going on a hiatus, why not have him lose and then have Bray attack him? Seeing Bray was pretty cool. The Mike and Maria angle is my pick for worst angle of the year. The women's match was so long, I may have reached a resting heart rate of 50. Drake Maverick and R-Truth was fun and probably my high point of the show. 
two out of 10 for me. Haven't caught up with night four of the G1, uh, but apparently Chris Charlton being off the commentary is a call by TV Asahi and not by New Japan. I really like Chris in that three-man booth uh, with Kelly and Romero. Did you guys hear anything about this? Well, other than what's been reported and the fact that Chris has not been uh, heavily featured on... He was not on today's show, uh, but he may have never been scheduled for today's show. He wasn't scheduled for all the G1s, but yes, we've talked about that on our G1 shows. I mean, it's clear to me that it's some form of directive from some somewhere for it to, you know, just kind of occur out of nowhere. And we've given our thoughts on on uh, our day two and day three recaps. Um, it's not as good of a team without him. So, and it was and it was noticeable. Like we both noticed it the first show. Like it was clear that they had. It was not a three man booth. It was like Chris just popping in for the translations, and mm-hmm. you know that's been consistent with the shows he's been on. It's been interesting to see, like, we're not alone in, in that opinion. Like, uh, pretty much unanimous. You, like, when the story broke today, like, it's been u- to be unanimous. Like, everybody feeling like this is a wrong call, if, if in fact, it is, you know, a, a right report. Um, we got a Justin from Baltimore, but in Miami, who says, Hey, guys, first time, long time. Raw was okay. Nothing too egregious. I have a question for both of you. Do you guys remember when you talked about those chicken sandwiches a while back? Can you tell me where you got them, and can you describe them sandwiches again? <laughs> what was it called? It was at, so it was at, it was at the X, which is like it's at the X, yeah. But I mean, I think in Toronto there's actually a a place where you can get them. Davey will remember. I I personally don't remember right now, but they were it was like what fried chicken sandwiches. Yeah, it was like hot chicken or Nashville chicken. Does oh that yeah, sound? yeah. Let me Nashville Nashville, Nashville hot chicken. maybe Nashville hot chicken. Yes, I think that's it. Wait, is it called Nashville Hot? See uh, any? Let me see this. Uh, Nashville, Nashville Hot, hot chicken. Sandwich from Tokyo Hot. Tokyo, oh, Tokyo Hot. Tokyo Hot. Okay, there to- is a Nashville Hot in Toronto as well. Oh, okay. Well, do some googling. I'm sure you'll find it. To- or is it? Okay, your yours is right. Yeah, yeah. Tokyo Hot, right? Tokyo Hot. But yeah, is that, that an actual right. place? Let me see. Tokyo Hot. Tokyo Hot Fried Chicken Toronto. Oh yeah, it's here. Okay. Yes. This might be the this might be the place. It's at 365 King West. There you go. All right. And the final piece comes from Justin uh that was Justin. MJ, I'm very over Rollins. I was impressed by the way they debuted Bray and not surprised by the lack of originality in his first feud being exactly where he left off with the Demon Balor. Natty showed some fire. Raw was A. As in uh, E-H, like the Canadian. Yeah, E-H. A. Yeah. yeah, not an A letter. All right. Well, uh, some disappointment on Raw, but that was the show. At hey, this, at this a, point, a John. A marked improvement from last week, so let's yeah. be a little uh, optimistic. Well, let me ask you, John, like, you know, this week is said to be, I guess, the first official week of uh, the Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff eras. But from what we can gather, at least this is like, you know, a, a show where Paul Heyman has had influence for three weeks in a row now. Has the luster worn off? Um, to me, just watching the shows, strictly watching them, it seems that while maybe his input has increased, I think that this is largely it's the same it's, show. It's the same show, and it's it, this is Vince McMahon's show. That's right. what I take from from at least the raw side so far. Um, for these these three episodes that we have to to gather from, I thought I saw the first week seemed to be one where 
they were more open than ever and wanted to come out of the gate and show uh, a different style. And then last week was a total disaster. And this week was somewhere in the middle. And I think that we're going to see Raw kind of approximate what we saw this week. Uh, Next week is kind of a weird show. I don't think you can even judge it because it seems like it's going to be the outlier that it's probably not a show you can take a whole lot from Mm -hmm. because it's going to be so cameo heavy. Um, But I do hope that we get something big next week because you have a lot of people that are going to be checking out the show next week that are not regular viewers. So you have an opportunity there. But yeah, I, I would say like this so far, it feels like this is Vince McMahon's show and it's everyone's got their their input, but it's ultimately going to come down to how does Vince McMahon feel this week about the ideas that come and what he's going to sign off on. That's what this feels like. Do you think we'll see any hints of uh, any differences in particular, uh, you know, of, of Eric Bischoff's touches on SmackDown tomorrow? I, I'm not expecting it. No, me neither. No. I mean, if anything, it'll probably be him actually learning how to like, from what, from what we gather, it's, it's, it's going to, I think be it's going to be a on. slow, like introductory period for, for Bischoff. I don't think you're going to see any, you know, dramatic changes, especially where SummerSlam, you would figure most of the card is figured out right now. And it's merely building up the key programs. Like, I don't think you're going to come in with any kind of radical um, changes. And I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a period of Eric just familiarizing himself with being in the role and, and getting up to speed on all of these characters and stories, which Paul Heyman had the advantage of already being up on. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so that's going to bring an end to the show. Thank you to all of you for listening. Way and I are going to be back on Tuesday night following said show of SmackDown. And then of course, all our G1 coverage, it resumes on Thursday. We'll have three straight days of shows. Post wrestling cafe is where you can go sign up. Thank you to all of the, the new patrons that have joined over the last uh, week or so since the G1 has begun. Welcome aboard. And that's it. We are out. And 